0: Okay, if you would open your Bibles to first or second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Now, last week we looked at Paul was talking about giving and, and things uh, concerning giving and again he was telling the church of corinth that because they had promised to give they needed to go ahead and give um and now what we see is paul is now going to talk about himself a little bit um because, of course, as we've seen in some of his other letters, uh, there had been rumors about Paul, and people were trying to kill Paul, and people were trying to say that Paul was a false teacher. and, and uh, So what Paul starts to talk about here is his authority um, as an apostle, and how his authority as an apostle will also uh, show that, one, his teaching is, is true. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that the authority that he has as an apostle will also, um, or should also, move the church at Corinth to listen to his letters. Uh, and in his letter, he tells them, you know, they need to do what they promised, um, and his authority as an apostle would back that up. As he, as he starts to talk about this authority, so look at uh, chapter ten. Now, um, when he starts to talk about his authority as an apostle, that pretty much it goes throughout the entire chapter. Um. Now, when he, when he is talking about himself and, and starting to vindicate himself, and that actually goes to chapter 12, because you're going to, you know, he talks about his authority as an apostle, and then he talks about some other things concerning himself, and that goes all the way to chapter 12, verse 19, or verse 18. And then in verse 19, he starts to conclude the letter. So, talking about himself uh, pretty much is the last thing that he does before he concludes the letter of 2 Corinthians. But here he starts to talk about his authority. Now, when you think about Paul's authority, what authority did Paul have through his life? We see Paul's authority in two, two different times. The first time that we see his authority was in Acts chapter, you know, chapter 9 or before chapter 9, around Acts chapter 6 in that area. There where it talks about he how he had received letters from... The chief priest to arrest Christians. So, the first type of authority that Paul had, um, if you look at the authority that Paul had during his life, was secular authority. It was a religious, you know, well, I shouldn't say secular, but the way the Jews. the way the Jewish religion was during the time of Christ, it was sort of a secularized religion because the Romans appointed the chief priest. So it was religious in a way, but it was also secular because the chief priest had been appointed by Rome. And so Paul's authority When he was Saul, was sort of a governmental authority. And that was to go out and arrest Christians or kill them. You know, he had authority to go bust down doors and arrest them. But when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, and he became an apostle his authority changed. He now had the authority that God had gave him as an apostle. And we see this, if you turn back to Acts, chapter nine, we see that the authority that Paul had when Jesus tells him in verse 6, you know, Paul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And Jesus tells him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And then we pretty much see Christ explaining what Paul had to do. To Ananias, what Paul's authority was going to be. When, when in verse 15 he tells Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul's authority here was... He was Christ's chosen vessel. And he was the vessel that would bear the name of Christ before Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. And we see this. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, and then he appeared before Caesar. He appeared before um, the chief priests when he was arrested. He appeared before Festus and Felix, and he appeared before Agrippa and Bernice. So he appeared before kings, and he appeared before the children of Israel. And we see this when he went into the synagogues to declare the gospel, but we also see it when he was in Jerusalem when the Romans had to pull him away from the crowd because the crowd was going to kill him. He was there witnessing to the children of Israel. So the authority that Paul had that was granted to him by Jesus Christ was he was Christ's chosen vessel. And he was an apostle. So his authority the authority that he had later in life when he became the apostle, when he became Christ's chosen vessel, was greater than the authority that he had from the chief priest, which was to go out and arrest Christians. So when Paul starts to talk about his authority, he's talking about his authority as an apostle. So remember... His authority as an apostle superseded everything else. And that authority as an apostle, if you think about it, also superseded the structures in the church. Paul, as an apostle, could go into a church and tell the minister, you need to change what you're doing and do it this way. Because he had that authority as an apostle from Jesus Christ. Now, Paul normally would not do that. What he would do is write a letter and just point out to the church what they needed to do to get back in line with the gospel. Because what Paul would say, and we see this in many of his letters, he would say, I'm a co-laborer. These are my co-laborers with me. And then he would say, I'm just a servant. I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And all these other people are my co-laborer. Timothy is my co-laborer. So even though he had that apostolic authority, Paul normally would not really wield it. He would say that he was equal with everybody else. So... That's just to give you a little bit of a background of how Paul's authority was sort of shown in the Bible before we start talking about this. Because this really does finish up, um, when Paul starts to talk about himself, that really does finish up the letter of 2 Corinthians. And the first thing he talks about is his authority. So look at chapter 10. I'm going to read part of it here. We'll go down to verse 9. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, (coughs) who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh." For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do we look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christs. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if i would terrify you by letters so the first thing he starts to talk about is if you look even though paul was really if you look at the letter this letter was a little bit milder than the first letter first corinthians So, what we see is Paul was pretty satisfied with what was going on at the church at Corinth. We can see this in this second letter. He was pretty much satisfied by it. He still brought up some things that they needed to change, but for the most part, he was satisfied. And he was talking about how he was going to go there and, and visit them. But... What we see here in chapter 10, starting in verse 1, is that some of the people in the church, there were still some people that was challenging the apostolic authority. They were challenging the authority of the apostles. And what they were doing is, and we see this in chapter 11, if you look over at chapter 11, Uh, verse 13, they were calling the apostles false apostles. That's what Paul is bringing up here in verse 13 of chapter 11. So they were saying that the apostolic leaders of the church, you know, the ones in Jerusalem, you know James and John and and Paul and Peter and all these apostles were false that's what they were saying and what we see is is the ones that were doing this we see in verse 22 apparently these people at Corinth were not the gentiles that were doing it they were the Jews It was these Jewish Christians that were doing that. And not the Gentile Christians. But when they were doing that, what it was doing was stirring up trouble in the church. Because you had the Jewish, some of the Jewish Christians saying, all the apostles are false teachers. They're false apostles. Now, why would they be saying that? Well, because they were saying that the, that the Gentile Christians didn't have to circumcise themselves. They didn't have to follow the dietary restrictions of the law. They just had to follow a couple of things. You know, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Don't eat meat with the blood still in it. Make sure the food's cooked. So they were saying that the apostles were false because of this. And so what you were having was a schism in the church. You had Gentile Christians saying, We're following the apostles, as he says at the beginning of the letter. Or, you know, are you of Apollos? Some of you, see, you're saying you're of Apollos, some of you are saying you're of Paul, and so it was causing some problems. And what you had was a schism start to take place. Now, think about something. What happened? At Corinth, what we see happening at Corinth—what did it do to the church that we still see today? Do Jewish Christians worship with Gentile Christians? No. Separates them. It separates them because you have. Gentile Christians that what? We don't follow dietary rules in the Bible. A guy that I worked with was a Jewish Christian when I worked at the hospital. He didn't eat pork. He he followed the dietary rules. And they didn't meet on Sunday. They met on the Jewish Sabbath day to worship. So And then if a Gentile wanted to come into that church, they had to follow the Jewish customs that that church followed and leave the Gentile customs behind. So what we see taking place here led to pretty much the Jews and the Gentiles not really worshiping together anymore. It caused a a split. And that still goes on today. So, basically, um, these Jewish Christians, what we see is, is they were saying that the apostles were false. Um, They also, if you look in verse 7, here in chapter 10, do you look on things after the outward appearance, if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. So they were claiming these Jewish Christians were claiming to have higher authority than the apostles, they were claiming to have higher authority than Paul. And what they did, if you look in, in chapter 11, verse 20, they For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit what wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. So basically what they were doing is they were lording this over the church, trying to run the church. You know, the church has had... Appointed elders. Well, they were saying they were even more, had more authority than these elders that the apostles are appointed over the churches. So it was causing problems. So Paul, what he, what he starts to do here is, is talk about his authority. And we see this starting in chapter one, now, or verse one, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you. So he was saying, you know, when I'm there with you, I'm sort of humble. I'm humble, I'm base, I don't try to make any problems. But he's saying, because I'm absent, I'm bold. I'm going to tell you what I think in this letter. And then he says, i bese- basically saying, you know, I'm bold in this letter because you don't want me to do this when I'm there. Now, why would you think he would be more bold in the letter and say, y'all don't want me to be bold when I'm there? Would you really want Paul to get mad and be in the same room? (laughs) So he's saying, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence. So, you know, he's saying if I'm there and I have to say this, it's, gonna, it's not going to be good, is pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. He said, so I'm trying to get it out well, now. It's always, it's always different when you're looking <laughs> somebody somebody <dying>, you know? <laughs> And And this is why he's saying, wherewith I think to be bold against some, he's saying this is directed at some of you who think of us the apostles as if we walked according to the flesh now look at what paul does in verse 3 he substantiates what he's about what he had just said we see that because the first word is for he says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh. So what he does is he does sort of a play on words here. He's saying, you're saying we're walking according to the flesh, sinning. He's saying we're walking, according, we're walking in the flesh. He didn't say according to the flesh. He's saying we're walking in the flesh, being human, with a human body and its limitations, and not after the flesh. Or sinning. So he's saying, You're saying we're walking according to the flesh or sinning, we're walking with our human limitations and not after the flesh. If you see the wording there. Because in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, when Paul says, Walking after the flesh or warring after the flesh, he's talking about sin. Generally, just walking in the flesh, where he's not talking about sin, he's talking about just human limitation. Basically, we walk in the flesh every day, everyday life. life. So, I just wanted to point that out. So, he's saying we're not sinning. We're not doing the things we're being accused of. And then he substantiates that in verses 4 through 6. So what he does is he contrasts. This is a contrasting substantiation here in verses 4 through 6, where he substantiates what he said as in we're not sinning, we're not, we're not having this war in the flesh. We're not sinning. But he contrasts with the people that are accusing them of being false teachers. He's saying these people are sinning. So what he, how he contrasts it, he looks at the weapons of the warfare. Notice that in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's saying we're not warring after the flesh. We're not sinning because our weapons are not carnal. Basically, what we're doing is, he says, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Basically, he's saying we're relying on God to get through our everyday life. So again, he's he's contrasting it with the false with the people that are accusing him of being false teachers, but he's also contrasting it with uh, what uh, my mind went blank. He's uh, combating their arguments. That they, that they are having. So he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, basically we're relying on God to help us in our daily limitations. And then he says, casting down imaginations. Now, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So here, again, he's saying that when we rely on God, it's it's keeping us humble, casting down imaginations. You know, what's one thing that can get a person in trouble? Their imagination, because we can think up some stuff that can get us into a lot of trouble if we try to go do it. Trouble starts, <laughs> trouble starts with a thought. Trouble starts with a thought. You know, what was the old saying? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, what happens when you have idle hands? Your brain starts working. So, he's saying, casting out imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what he's saying is, you know, we're relying on these tools that God has given us. It's keeping us humble. Our imaginations aren't running wild. We're not out sinning. And whenever we think, the things we think is in obedience to Christ. So again, he's, he's uh, vindicating himself here and the other apostles and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So basically he's saying, because of this, we, you know, when you disobey, because our thoughts are what God has put here, and we're trying to follow Christ, and we are the apostles of the church, We're going to put you back in line. Your disobedience. And then he says, when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, look at verse 7. Do you think on things after the outward appearance. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. So again, Paul here is telling them, um, what's a good way of putting it? Trust your eyes. Trust what you see. are you just looking at what's on the outside or are you looking at what they're teaching? Are you looking at what's on the outside or are you looking at what we are teaching? Trust your eyes, is what he's saying. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Basically saying, if these people are saying, well, we're of Christ. We have the authority of Christ and the false and the apostles are nothing but false teachers. Paul is saying, these people might be saying that, but if you look at what we're teaching, we are the ones that are teaching the gospel. We are of Christ. Basically saying, the apostles belong to Christ just the same as these other people. And we... You know, we belong to Christ as much as they do. We were, and then, you know, if you think about it, he's saying, we were appointed apostles by Christ, yeah. not these people. And that's what he says in verse 8. He's like, you know, I could claim, I could boast higher authority. Now, what higher authority could he boast? I met Christ on the road to Damascus. I spent three we- years with him out in the wilderness being taught by him. I was appointed an apostle. Peter was a disciple. John was a disciple. James was a disciple. You know, he's saying, you know, we could boast higher authority than these people. But he says, if you look, he's saying, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letter. So basically what he's saying here is, is I could do all this and tell you exactly what I have learned from Christ. I could boast all this authority that I have, but I don't want to scare you. Remember, he's saying that he's learned some stuff that God gave him, Christ gave him, that he can't repeat, can't even talk about. So he doesn't want to frighten them by this. So what we have here is the first part of his, where he's talking about authority, his authority, and, you know, he's pretty much talking about the authority of the apostles. Go ahead and mark that, we'll stop there. Any questions on that? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day that you provided. Thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you've given us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we go our separate ways and just keep us safe the next point in time. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.